Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This morning at 10.15 a.m. Eastern, I received a phone call, and my phone lit up, and it said Paul Mooney. When I answered the call, it was his cousin, Rudy Ely, letting me know uh, that two hours earlier, Paul had passed away from a heart attack. 
uh, Rudy said that uh, Paul uh, had asked him to make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then he went in to uh, make the sandwich, and he came back and found Paul Mooney unresponsive. He then called paramedics, uh, police, and fire. They rushed to uh, the home there. Paul had been living with his cousin, Rudy Ely, uh, because Paul uh, had been suffering from dementia the last several years. They were unable to revive him, and he was pronounced dead at the age of 79. Uh, there are no words to describe uh, the comedic genius of Paul Mooney. So many people uh, have talked about uh, what he meant, his, uh, his legendary uh, writing for Richard Pryor and others, the roles that he played on screen, but also his unrelenting uh, honesty when it came to uh, the comedy stage. This was someone, if you want to talk about this show being Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, then that certainly speaks to who Paul Mooney was. There was a reason why uh, he uh, watched this show, why he was a fan of mine. And in fact, Rudy said, Roland, uh, there's no other person Paul would want uh, to uh, break the news of his death. That's how black Paul Mooney was. Even in death, he didn't want white folks reporting about his death before anybody else. Uh, joining us right now, folks, we have a number of comedians who are lined up to share their thoughts and reflections about Paul Mooney. Uh, I have been getting text messages all day earlier. I communicated with Dave Chappelle, of course, uh, Paul Mooney wrote for his show, and so many others. Uh, joining us right now is George Wallace, Robert Townsend, and also George Wilborn. Glad to see all three of you uh, with us. Uh, uh, I saw uh, Jackie Harris there as well. My apologies. Uh, I'm going to go. I, I didn't see Jack A there because uh, uh, George got that janky phone. So I didn't see him. I didn't see you because George got that janky phone. Uh, George. This is my phone. This is my phone. This is my interview. And you got to talk to me soon because I'm shooting a major project and I don't have long. And Paul don't hear me no way. So let's get this over. <laughs> comedians, we still have to be comedians now. Uh, yeah, I know because uh, I, I, I did not, I purposely did not put out the peanut butter and jelly comment from Rudy, from Rudy, because I knew, and, and when Cheryl Underwood called me about it, she said, ain't that something Paul so black, George Washington Carver and the peanut took his ass out. I said, see, I said, see, right there, you can't, you can't, and she literally said, I said, Cheryl, come on now. We won't stop. We won't stop. So who are those other two guys you got on with you? No, no, George. no. We're we, we, we going to go to the uh, elder first, uh, and that's you, uh, because you said you ain't got that much time, and that's true. So let's just go ahead and just share your thoughts and reflections of Paul Mooney. Well, I just want everybody to know, when I first got to California, Paul Mooney was uh, young and writing for Richard Pryor. He, actually, he and Richard Pryor looked so much alike, we didn't know who was on stage. When, Is that Paul Mooney? Because we didn't know, but he was such a... Per prolific writer. He wrote for Red Fox. I also wrote for Red Fox, but we loved him. We loved working for him. And he was a real, one of the real kings of comedy. Let's make that perfectly clear, okay? Uh, I, I was not one of his best friends because sometimes I didn't know who Paul, which Paul I was going to meet. So, <laughs> but he was a comedian and all the comedians know that. Even my friend, I'm shooting a big TV show right now. My wife is with me. You might know my wife. And it's Jack A. Say hello, Jack A. And about Paul. You know Paul. Hello. Yes, I love Paul. I spent three hours in a... Um, oh, 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 he was an original. I saw him do a roast of Tim Reed one time, and I never left his side whenever I wanted to, you know, some good, some good old shark with it comedy. You know, he didn't, he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared like he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared. His famous joke, the joke that he first told when I got to California, 
Would somebody please make that nigga stop saying nigga? I don't know where you can say the N word on that. But I love oh, Paul. Yeah, I don't know what this you know, but that that was Paul's joke, and that's what he said. And I'll tell you what, did I, I don't know whether I did I lose you or not. Stay with me because Paul, you know, last year we had a, uh, 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 John Witherspoon pass away, oh, yeah. and now we got Paul. And uh, they say it comes in three, so my ass, I ain't sleeping for a year. <laughs> I ain't going to sleep. I ain't going to sleep. Because I'm the next one of the state statesmen, you know. I'm, I think I'm the next, I'm the oldest black comedian living now. Except Jimmy Walker. Oh, no, you are. Ain't no, you think you are the oldest you, black comedian. Now, don't, don't let me change up on you now. I'm, I'm blessing God, blessing you right now, but I stick in cuffs. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why that phone's so damn shaky. Damn. Uh, because I'm holding, it, I'm, holding, I'm holding it in my hand. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I get that, George. Hey, I got, George, hey, I got hey, my phone hey, right hey, here. Hey, Hell, this ain't hey. shaking. It's steady. Hey, that was my, that was my good hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, no. Stupid. That's your way next way to Disney. Uh, that, that's why the show is called Unfiltered. Uh, I know y'all, I know y'all are working. Y'all don't have much time. Uh, George and Jack A, I appreciate you. Talking them, you're, bye, bye, bye. you're talking to them damn Republicans so long you made me mad. And Jim Jordan, don't you ever put Jim Jordan on your show. You understand? Uh, no, Jim Jordan will never, ever come on the show. I'm way too black for Jim Jordan. You were too black for Cheryl Hollywood, but that's a whole <laughs> <laughs> George Wallace and Jack A. Are you going to talk to George Wilborn today? Make sure you tell all the comics I said hello because I'm the elder statesman now, and they're going to do what I say to you. Well, look, I got George Wilborn. I've got Robert Townsend. We got Damon Wayans, Huggy Lowdown, Chris Paul, uh, Guy Torrey, Joe Torrey. Uh, we got a hold whole... On, hold on a second. You ain't got no light skin people? <laughs> you ain't got no light skin well, 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 Paul represents the light skinned people. My goodness, Huggy Lowdown is the lightest one of us. <laughs> Jack, Jack ain't holding down for the light skinned people. Okay, that's true. I'm holding down. All right, Jack A. And George, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it because my love for you and everybody else does not require your permission. I'm George Wallace. I'm out. I appreciate it, y'all. Thanks a lot. Love y'all as well. Take care. Uh, always, always irreverent uh, and out of his mind. Let's go to uh, Robert Townsend, George Wilborn. Robert just shaking his head like, yeah, that's George. <laughs> no, George is crazy as all get out, man. But, but, but uh, Roland, thank you for doing this and honoring uh, Mr. Mooney tonight. This is really beautiful. There is uh, you, I, I, you did a series of specials with Paul, uh, and uh, this the, Paul had this one skit where he described what it'd be like to have a black newscast. Uh, I don't use the N word, but let's say it is hilarious as hell. Uh, and 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 he he didn't care who he hit, Robert. That that was that that was no such thing as that's out of bounds for Paul Mooney. No, you, you know, the thing that, that I would say is that when I came out to L.A., uh, Keenan got out here first, and then I came out, and then Keenan goes, man, you, we got to go to the comedy store and watch this comedian named Paul Mooney. And I just remember uh, going to the comedy store, and he would go on late at night, and we go like, hey, man, it's 1230. He says, no, he's going to go on. And so it would be like late, and then the room would be packed with people, 
And when Paul, the first time I heard Paul, I think I laughed so hard I thought I was going to die, you know, because he had no filter. He said whatever came to his mind, he spoke his his truth, his like hardcore truth. And so I was like, and then he would spend time with us and kind of break down and talk, you know, with us about comedy and the history and working with, you know, Richard Pryor and Red Fox and all of that. But I just, you know, he was rare. He was woke before anybody was woke. He was, he, he was, he was beyond woke, you know, back in, you know, the eighties. And it's like, and I think when I think about the whole generation of comedians right now, he he mentored all of us, all of all the comedians now and filmmakers that came out of that era. There's a piece of Paul because he was so outspoken. So so yeah, it, I, I I don't think you could apply woke to 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 uh, Paul Mooney because uh, he was on a whole whole different level. He would I mean that that he, he talked about it that if I, I was I did a, radio, a series of interviews earlier radio interviews and a brother said that Paul, Paul Mooney told him when the white folks start getting up and walking out you 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 in the pocket. He said he said you bring in the heat uh, and, and, and he would put it in his show where I got one of his CDs and he was like oh look at him the white folks are leaving goodbye this is too much for you. I mean, he just did not, he, I mean, most folks don't want people to leave their show. Paul, Paul no, was no. like, oh, oh, y'all leaving? Yeah. I mean, he was just relentless. No, no, he, he, he loved clearing out the, the main room, clearing out the belly room <laughs> of the comedy store. Uh, he, and we would sit there and we would just see how much longer the, the people could put up with it. And he would just keep going and he, oh, homie, oh, oh, I see you leaving now. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to break it. Oh, it, he would just, <laughs> he would have a whole run that he would do, but he loved clearing out the room. He, he loved it. He lived for it. George, um, y your reflections of um, uh, your reflections of uh, Paul Mooney. Uh, you know, it's it's once again I, uh, I echo what uh, what Robert just stated. Thank you for doing this. You know, it seems like and until you die, do you get all of the posts and all of the things that people say and the pictures that you've taken with people? You don't they don't come out until you die. So it's it's unfortunate in that sense. But he is reached across the aisle for so many comics, you know, and Townsend hit it, you know, on the head. It's like all of us was touched by his by his brilliance and his genius. But, you know, for comics like me who have uh, been unfiltered and who have been known to say what's on his mind, you know, it was uh, through people like him and Richard Pryor and Rodney Winfield and, and those unapologetic comedians who said the art of comedy comes first and and truth has so much to do with that comedy and nobody could tell that truth you know like like Paul Mooney to be honest with you and so for for me like so many other comics you know I was I was blessed to have you know uh, grace the stage with him and and have conversations with him you know that I'll never forget obviously but just for the young comic to watch, this dude, man, to watch the mastery and to watch just how he commands what he's saying is something that, you know, you know, only the, the legends like him can provide for a comic. And and all of us, man, and, you know, to some degree um, have uh, 
have lost a part of us today, man. And you're going to talk to a lot of comedians today, and that's going to give you a lot of personal stories, you know, and, and I, I'm no different, you know, uh, my mentor, Rodney Winfield, you know, he came up and, and rolled with, with Paul and with, uh, with Richard and, and Ronaldo Ray and, and all those cats, man, left an undeniable mark on comedy. John Witherspoon, we lost him just, you know, shortly again. So I, I love him. I know he's up there cussing white people out if it's any in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I hope that he rests in peace. And all of you niggas understand. You niggas know. There'll never be another Paul movie. Motherfucker, stop trying. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, tremendous depth uh, to uh, his comedy. The thing that people have to understand, Robert, is that uh, Paul Mooney, just like Dick Gregory, in fact, I'm going to play a video later while I interviewed both of them uh, at, in New Orleans, um, they read a lot. They studied. And so these, you know, they weren't just just tossing stuff out. I mean, you know, that, that the, the, when you say truth bombs, I mean, they were dropping bombs uh, in that comedy. Yes. No, no, no. You, you know what's funny is that um, I, I think what we really love the most about Paul was that there was a lot of thought behind his comedy. I mean, so, you know, Paul, Paul wrote for Richard. Richard had a childlike way about him when he did his jokes. And so he would do his political stuff, but he kind of disarmed you. And Paul, and, 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 but Paul had no, he didn't put any sugar on it. Paul just come in and say, this is how I feel. This is what it is. If, if, if you had to say who put sugar on grits, salt or salt on grits, no, uh, he would put uh, strychnine on grits. He would put, he would put, he would put rat poison on grits. That, that's, that's, that, that, that's, right, he ain't put, that, right, that, everybody else, let me, let me soft shoe it. No, 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 he would come in with like a bazooka. Oh, soft shoe? No. No, Paul came, Paul came hard. I mean, I, I think that's why we all, all loved him. I mean, like when, uh, the first time I was doing Hollywood Shuffle, I reached out to him and said, hey, would you be in Hollywood Shuffle? And he played the president of the NAACP. And then when I did Partners in Crime, my first special, I said, hey, I want you to close out the show. Now, the funny thing was that some people didn't know who Paul was back then. And so I went from uh, Franklin Ajayi to uh, oh, I've, uh, Tommy Davidson. I forgot the whole group. And then Paul closed the show. I think, what, wasn't, wasn't Curry uh, wasn't, uh, Curry on there? Uh, I, thought, I, got, no, I, I got the video at home. So I got the DVD at home. Oh, you know what it was? Don Reed. It was Don Reed, okay. Franklin Ajayi, and uh, and then I think, but Paul Mooney closed the show, and it was so edgy that everybody was like, oh, but I wanted it to be a real variety show. And when Paul came with it, he just came with real knowledge and, and hard-hitting comedy. And I think the whole room, but I think after that, I just know that it was a whole different time because that was one of the first specials on HBO. So, so, but no, but Paul, that's what I loved about him, his edge, his edge, his edge, his edge. Uh, um, uh, Damon Williams, were there ever time where even you watched Paul and went, damn, that hurt? Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much. Because see, we as comedians, we love to see people push the envelope 
and go further than we thought about going because we might have all had the same thoughts or something similar but for somebody to actually say it it, it makes us it gives our hearts joy uh, i have a great story about paul moody uh, i was working with him in oakland it was a, a day in the park of comedy it was a mark curry uh, event and um paul was they put us on the same like they were shuttling us over and paul had me in the bus with him and we, he happened to be talking about richard Pryor's uh children fighting his ex-wife over his estate and he said well you know what if you got to fight for your daddy's money that's on your daddy your daddy didn't love you he should have set it up perfect he should have set it up for you you know and I, it was just <laughs> just so much and i don't know why he was just talking about that particular thing on the bus on our way over to a comedy show but it, it made me to this day i went and got a, a, a nice life insurance policy that my son is the benefactor because i'm like yeah i don't want my son to feel like i didn't love him when i'm gone so it was that was that was the one of the biggest lessons i took with paul get some life insurance and take care of your kids because if your daddy don't leave you no money that means he didn't care <laughs> alicia cooper you are actually open for paul mooney and it was a wonderful experience when you're up and coming and you're watching legends like Paul because I you know before I even realized I wanted to do comedy I would just go and watch comics so I flew to LA in the mid 90s and Paul was working a late spot in the comedy store in the original room it was either between 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. and I'm just sitting in the room watching this genius at work and I'm laughing so hard I've never laughed that hard before or since <laughs> listening to Paul Mooney because as they they said he had white people just walking out, and every time they walked out, he commented on it and make fun of it. And you know, he had that beautiful smile and that beautiful voice. And he was like the Paul Robeson of comedy, just a, a brilliant, handsome man. And I can still remember the jokes he was telling. He was like, All these white celebrities, all of them, the new thing is to have a little black crack baby. Every one of them got to have a little black crack baby. Michelle Pfeiffer got a little black crack baby. So he's naming all these people. And he said, so I did exactly the opposite. I went and got me a little white heroin addict. He said, he said, he's out there in the car right now, just nodding. I was laughing so hard. Somehow I ended up on my feet. I don't know how I got on my feet. I must have levitated. I was laughing so hard that night. That's the power that Paul Mooney had. You never forget his jokes because they're so brilliant. I remember the joke he told about white people. They can get off with any kind of defense. They can just say they have multiple personalities. And they're like, I don't remember killing this man because I have multiple personalities. He said, let a black person try that. Yeah, uh, I killed him because I got multiple personalities. They're like, well, you better pick one of them personalities because one of them niggas is going to jail. <laughs> in, in, fact, in, in fact, all of them niggas is going to jail. <laughs> Robert, he, uh, on that particular point, uh, and I wish uh, uh, I wish CNN would post it. I actually was on CNN with Paul Mooney being interviewed by Kira Phillips. This was after Michael Richards uh, uh, melted down on stage with his N-word rant, and we had this, this discussion about the N-word, and Paul was unrepentant. Paul, Paul uh, what, what was his joke? Saying the, N saying, saying the N-word made his teeth white? I mean, he... Once a day. Makes my teeth white. Yeah, I mean, he just, did, he, I mean, he, he, he didn't, he did not care. I mean, all of y'all know, so was there anything, what, did y'all ever hear Paul say, yeah, that's, yeah, that's going a little too far? No. No. That, no. I, no. I, I, no. I, think, 
I, I think no. Paul would always walk up to the line and then go across the line. Yeah, and he, because oh, he would hopscotch. So he would he would do a Chicago two step over the line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I mean the the thing. He, I, you know, I wrote today on, on a post, I said he was fearless, but it, it goes beyond fearless because there was nothing that he would not say. If something came into his mind, he, he would say it. If something happened in the news, like what's happening in DC right now, he would be on stage tonight really talking about it and no filter, no filter. Right. Yeah. George, uh, is, final, George, final comment. Which is not easy to do. You know, you got to understand the times. You know, it wasn't easy then, and it sure the fuck is not easy now. But he was the type of um, comedian that cared so much about that craft and cared so much about the importance of what he was saying that you can't water that down. You got to tell that uncut. You got to, you got to tell the truth and. And, you know, Rob, you know, you know, fearless is a word that's going to be continually used because it's, it's really what the man was. You know, when it came to saying whatever it was in, in an attempt to make you laugh and so much of that uncomfortable uh, hysterical shit was true. But who's courageous enough to say it? Even a comedian, they say we get to say whatever we want to say. Well, you know, there's plenty of comedians whose ass been canceled that would uh, disagree with that. Paul never gave a shit about that. Yeah. And, and that goes off on a lot of comedians, and I believe it helped us to become, I know it certainly helped me to become a better comedian. Robert, better Town Robert Townsend, your final comment. Uh, you, you know, let, let me just say this. Uh, I, I, I pray and hope that his memory inspires a, a whole nother generation of artists to find their voice and be their true authentic self because that's what he was. George, your final comment. Um, I believe, you know, knowing Paul Mooney and having graced conversations with him, you get to know a different level of his genius and of his level of compassion and his level of not give a fuckness. But to watch him and to know that he was responsible for not for only his comedy, but the comedy of so many other greats, lets you know just how unfunny of a day today is. Indeed. George Wilborn, Robert Townsend, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Uh, Damon, Alicia, y'all stay right there. Let me pull in right now. Okay. Uh, y'all stay right there. Let me, let me pull in uh, Bill Bellamy and Michael Collier. Uh, glad to glad to have uh, you here. Uh, it has been it has been a an extremely uh, it's been a tough day for a lot of cats in the comedic world. I've been I've been texting with people, talking with people. They've been sharing stories. Uh, but look, uh, and, and it's rare it's rare to listen to comedians uh, talk about being sorrowful. Folk uh, are used to making folks laugh. Uh, Bill, uh, when I texted you this morning. Uh, to give you the news uh, after, as soon as after I heard it. Uh, I mean, it, you just responded, again, responded, you know, how much this cat was a true OG. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can you can you hear me? Can yeah, hear we me got rolling? you, Bill. We got you. All right, what's up? So shout out to uh, my boy Michael Collier as well. But, um, I mean, Paul Moody meant everything to me because um, when I first came, got in the game, the first time I ever met Paul Mooney was in New Jersey, and I had this club. It was called uh, the Peppermint Lounge back then. 
And I was just a new, I was just a newbie. And uh, I went up to Mr. Mooney and I was like, Mr. Mooney, you know, I've heard so many great things about you. And I was just wondering if there's any advice you would give me. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, uh, what's your name? Bellamy. Let me tell you something. If you don't live it, you don't eat it, you don't drink it. If you're not bleeding it, get the fuck out of it. Just like that. That was, that was like, I thought he was going to give me some like nice and beautiful and it'd be hummingbirds chirping and stuff. He gave me such a raw um, idea of what it is to follow your dream, right? And so with that in mind, it made me want to be a comedian even more. Like I, I figured I quit my job. I, all the stuff that I had that was safe in my life, I got rid of all of that because of Paul Mooney, because he gave me the, the blueprint. It has to be your life. Like it has to be the thing that you can't live without. You got to marry it. You have to um, be true to the craft. And he was, he, he whether he was famous or not, whether the Hollywood uh, game accepted his brilliance, like black people had, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but no one can say he was untrue to who he was. Collier, your thoughts. How come I can't see anybody? Don't worry, don't worry about it, man. Just talk, damn it. We ain't trying to. Man, I want to see y'all, man. Well, well, guess okay. what? Watch this shit on the replay. You'll see everybody. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> first of all, hello, Bill Bellamy. Hello, family. Hey, man. First yeah. of all, Paul Mooney was my friend, and that's what I miss most of all. He was a real dude, you know. Uh, I got my first money. Uh, because of Paul Mooney. I went to replace Robin Harris. He used to do a gig in Cleveland once a month with some dude named Kenny Adams. Kenny still owe me money for that shit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they flew me down on regular coach. Kenny picked me up in his car. The car was dirty, had a chewed up apple in the back, some drawers and shit. And I stayed at a room in his house, okay? Paul Mooney showed up first class. He was in a limo. Uh, when we when he got ready to eat, they stopped everything and took us to dinner. We got on that stage and we both killed it. And he said, "Brother, the problem is they don't take you serious because you don't charge them enough. You need to charge them three times what you would normally get. Now you're gonna get half as many people, but you gonna get twice the money and you're gonna be all right." I changed all my money then. I love Paul. He used to call me on Monday. I'd have Monday night show. He said, oh, nigga, it, is it nigger night tonight, nigga? I say, yes, we're doing black night. Well, I'm bringing Eddie Murphy, nigga, and you're going to owe me twice. So I saw him one day talk about um, Tom Cruise, because he was talking about white folks always trying to play other ethnicities. Tom, Tom Cruise is the last samurai nigga, please. They should do my story. The last nigga, and let Tom Hanks play me. Oh, the, the dude was brilliant. He never bit his tongue, brother. He said it. He gave it to you straight with no chaser, man. And hey, uh, uh, Michael, hold on one second. Yeah. Buddy Lewis, my ass is live on the air. I text you, said we gonna call you, damn it. So wait. <laughs> Michael Collier telling a great story. Bill Bellman telling a great story. Alicia Cooper and Damon Wayans, and you interrupting us. Well, I get <laughs> My buddy, we call you right back. <laughs> See, that's what happened when you got Omegas from uh, Howard University who don't know how to behave. Um, go ahead, Mike. 
I just have to Very say much. the beautiful, what I thought was the ending was pretty amazing. He told me last night that um, uh, Ruby, Rudy, his brother Rudy, told me last night that Paul asked him to make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. So he went to make the sandwich, but when he came back, Paul had, had transcended. So he tried to bring him back himself. He couldn't do it. So they sent uh, the medics, right? So they had all these medics. All of them was white. And he said the whole time they kept saying, man, we got to bring him back, man. This is Paul Mooney. We got to bring him back. And I just thought that was so ironic and beautiful that white cats were putting all their heart into bringing this brother back who made his living making fun of them fools, man. I just thought it was beautiful and, and poetic, yeah. you know? Uh, absolutely. Bill, go ahead. You Bill, I'm going to Bill, Damon, and Alicia. I know since we're all comics, we all have had a moment where we wish that uh, there was something that he said that we could have said, but we weren't bold enough to say it. So mm -hmm. one of my jokes that I loved about Paul Mooney, and it was so raw, but it was so funny. But So I'm at Caroline's, and uh, Paul used to always do the late show in New York. So I would do like the 8 to 7.30 and the 10, and he would do the midnight show. Midnight. So he so he'd sit there. You know how he he'd sit back like this. Right? He said, "Oh, my favorite movie. My favorite movie is Titanic. I love Titanic. It is the outstanding film. It's absolutely wonderful. And let me tell you, a lot of white people died in that movie." He said, "I tell you, every time." He said, "I watch it every time just to count one more white person that drowned. One more." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what would make you say something? I'm sitting there watching white folks leave Caroline's. <laughs> they walk away like this. Oh, God. <laughs> I am not here to be telling me that I am going to drown. You know, it was, he walked out half the room. Like, and he said, to look at him. Oh, look at them. Look at him. Look at him. Run, 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 white people. Run, run, run. <laughs> Cause see, Damon, he didn't care because he already got their ticket money. But I didn't understand how yeah, he would know. do this every night, run out to <laughs> 70 people. You said Damon, go ahead. And that's the funny part, because he didn't care. Yeah, that's the crazy part, because he did not care. I mean, that was his goal, it would seem. And it just goes to show you um, the irony uh, that Michael just said, that the, the, the paramedics like, we got to save this one. We got to save him. It shows you that they don't care about all black people when they come to help you. Um, another thing <laughs> I want to say is, is, is Bill Bellamy, man. We got to hang out more, because if I, God forbid, pass anytime soon, I want you to tell my story, because you tell the best stories at funerals and such. You killed it at Witherspoon's funeral. <laughs> I'm telling you people, hang out with Bill if you're feeling sick because he gonna tell the best story about you ever told. Oh my God, bro. I, but I have so many true stories, you know, and I just, and the only reason that I have been able to just come up with these stories is because I've been working on my book. And so all these memories start popping back in my head of moments that I had with, with you know, all my fellow comedians, with different artists and this, that, and the other. And, and, and this, this thing about Paul Mooney, I wanted to say to you guys, and I want to give a special shout out to Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle gave Paul Mooney a platform and it was the biggest thing yes. in his career to me. And I want to I thank Dave, whatever, however that happened, 
where he got his flowers and he was finally able to be the star and be able to get his flowers for his talent that Dave Chappelle show provided the platform for him because to me, he was always one of the most super rated to the black community superstar, mm -hmm. but underrated to Hollywood. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, Alicia Cooper, um, uh, yeah, your, that... your, your final comment before uh, I let uh, uh, two of y'all go before I bring in my next round, because we've got folk uh, booked who all want to come on and share their thoughts uh, about the Paul Mooney. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's just sad to know that he's gone because his voice is still such a needed, necessary voice. And I always yeah. say, Paul walks so that we can run. This man was just, I mean, I just can hear bits of his just over and over. I think about the one where he said to white people, you guys have a nerve to be racist, but don't shake your family tree because a nigga might fall out. I mean, he just has so many hilarious lines and so many great jokes and was just a brilliant, brilliant person. I just, you know, it's just hard to believe that he's gone. And, you know, he's he left the comedy game really a couple years ago as he started dealing with dementia. And all I kept thinking was Donald Trump dodged a bullet because we lost a whole lot of good Donald Trump material coming out of Paul Mooney's mouth. That man was so powerful, he did not care who he offended. He didn't care. He would take on titans of industry. You could lose out on opportunities because of your proximity to Mr. Mooney. This man was a powerhouse, and we, 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 lost, we lost something big. We lost something big today. Absolutely. Alicia Cooper, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to do, uh, real quick, I'm going to do three of you. Michael Collier, your final comment. Uh, then Bill, Man, then Damon. I've been sitting here 45 minutes. You talking about a final comment? I just got here. Well, well Michael, well, well, Michael, well, Michael, the problem is I got, I got Buddy Lewis lined up. Uh, I've got uh, Guy Tory lined up, Ricky Hughes Buddy lined Lewis up. Buddy already talked them tired of Buddy. I I've got, okay. I've got, uh, and then I'm literally, um, I'm literally. Uh, uh, I know, text. man. I'm playing with you. I, you know, I got to mess with you. Uh, I did, Bill. You did. Uh, uh, you did want to. Uh, this is what uh, Paul, uh, David Chappelle said. He's a hero of mine. I'm going to miss him very much. Uh, and I was just texting him to come on. He said, "I'm at dinner right now. Can't get out." Uh, but uh, we did reach out to Dave as well. Michael, go ahead. I just want to say I'm, I'm honored that you let me come and say something because I love that brother. He was my friend, not just a great artist, just a great man and funny and insightful. You know, it seemed like the wrong people died first. How could Dick Gregory be dead and Paul Mooney be dead and motherfucking Trump is still alive? It just ain't right. It ain't right. And I loved it when he said, oh, I love the word nigga. Nigga makes my teeth white. Nigga, 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 nigga. I see it all the time. You could go to the comedy store and set your watch by what time the white folks gonna jump up and leave when he came in. You could just, you could pass it, you know? And I, I just, I honor the man. I'm sorry, I'm not sad about him. His energy and his light still radiates throughout the universe. I, I'm proud to have known him. He was a blessing and he still is. And I hope a lot of us continue to learn from that master and that king. Thank you for letting me be on it. I love Paul Mooney, man. Damon Williams. Yes. I just want to say, um, Paul has inspired us all. He touched us all. He gave us um, a path to take where we didn't have to go as far as he goes, but we can still say what we want to say even now in this cancel culture. So his, his memory, his legacy lives on, and we will honor him by letting Whitey have it when it's possible. <laughs> Damon Williams, always a pleasure. Bill Bellamy. Uh, I just w I would hope that his legacy would encourage the next generation, even our generation, to be more courageous about 
our comedy, to to be true to our craft, to be to be honest and and forthright with 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 our attitude because we got into this culture now we're so safe and everyone's so nervous to talk about the other and this that and the other. Paul Mooney didn't care about none of that. He always brought the truth, and I'm going to use his his legacy in my career. And in my in my voice, as my comedy comes forward, my new special to just be an example of what that is. And it doesn't have to be offensive. It just has to be right. It has to be truthful and come from the right place. And that's how I'm a, that's how I'm a, uh, pay my homage to him. Bill Bellamy, gentlemen, I certainly appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you so very much uh, for this uh, special tribute uh, to the late great Paul Mooney. Thank you. Peace. As I said to all of you, I had an opportunity to sit down and interview Paul Mooney and Dick Gregory when they performed uh, the comedy show uh, in New Orleans at Essence Festival. Uh, this was when, was when I was hosting uh, Washington Watch on TV One. Uh, here is that conversation. Do not need a full-page ad to sing their praises are Dick Gregory and Paul Mooney. I caught up with them between shows at the festival. When you hear post-racial, what's the first thing you think of when you hear we're in a post-racial America? America's not in a post-racial. That'll never happen. Mm -mm. It's habit. And the white people are habit creatures. I think people misjudge uh, white people in a lot of ways. I don't think race is a big deal with white people. I really don't. I think it's all a pretense. Mm -hmm. You know, because they created that environment, the racial environment. You know, the jokes. I mean, if you watch white folks' old movies and old mm -hmm. cartoons and old magazines and read their, you know, go read their books and from a long time ago, they've always made fun of anybody who wasn't white. You know, they've always got a joke out of it. They always find it very funny. They always find it very comical. So will you flip it? Yeah. You're saying... I just yeah. think basically they can dish, but they can't take it. That's just how I feel about it. Or maybe they can take, I don't, sometimes they confuse me. Sometimes they laugh, they don't laugh. They, you know, it all depends on what makes them comfortable, what, what time is, what, what fits for them, what works for them. When you talk about uncomfortable, I want to bring in Dick Gregory right now. Now here's somebody, I, Dick, come on in. The two of you can yeah, truly make folks uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think, I think, I think we work well together. We do, and you, you know, really, what is uncomfortable? You know, you go back and you look at all the Bob Hope jokes, and you could tell when he's going to talk about a black princess walking down the street and saw this bebopper the other day. <laughs> and, and, and so if you look, you see, people look at us, but there's a slew of young white and black comics that's coming out there, and they don't care. They get up on that stage because what they're talking about is today's time. Mm -hmm. Today's time, a new rhythm. That's what he's talking about. But here's the genius. He he brings from back there all the way up to here and then go beyond. I just interviewed Ice T about his new documentary, uh, Something Out of Nothing, The Art of Rap. And he talked about it's an art. You talk about genius. This is this isn't just you just hop up on the stage and just start spouting stuff off. There's a real art to what you do. The, the greatest laugh you ever had in your life didn't come from professional comedians. It come from friends and relatives. When you're talking about comedy, that's a timing. Mm -hmm. That's a timing. And so when you look at what, what Ice T's on rap, rap go all the way back to Africa. When there wasn't no instruments. And if you look at the black folks in college doing the steps, 
the difference was in, in, in Africa, way back there, you rapped what was happening in the local environment. Mm -hmm. They had no instruments. And then all the ones that come up here, people talk about these rappers, what they talk like. They ain't, I'm 80 years old. They ain't been a new cuss word invented since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So where do they hear it? Comedians I talk to talk about your genius. Who is it today you like to listen to? You want to hear do comedy? Today? Today. Nobody. Nobody. Him. And him. So you know, this you know. current generation. <laughs> no, 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 no. The reason I ask, because you were in your book, you talked about Dave Chappelle being on the show, things along those lines. I'm just curious for you, who do you say, if I had to drop down $25, I want to go pay to hear that cat. Well, they're all dead, the ones I like. Yeah, and the other thing is, if you got time to go see somebody else's show, you ain't working. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're all dead. I mean, Flip Wilson's gone. Slappy White is gone. Yeah. Richard Pryor's gone. You see, I didn't like none of them. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor. Slappy <laughs> <laughs> White was trying to behave. He come out with a white glove and a black glove. He had a white glove and a black glove. What's the other one who used to sell drugs in Vegas? He's gone, the big fat one. George Kirby? Yeah, he's yeah. gone. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah. They're all there. But, 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 but also, you know, nigga came to me and told me he was George Kirby? <laughs> well, well, he didn't only sell drugs, he still used them. <laughs> but I you know, it's Kirby. like you. You know, what commentators do you like to listen to? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're all different. See, when I was a little boy, I thought whiskey was whiskey. I didn't know it was bourbon, scotch, you know, uh, wine. And then as Parker. you get up here, yeah. then you see the, the breakdown. And he's at the head of the class. Got to ask you this. And I did a piece of in Ebony Magazine on the county issue. I said, who was, who was the funniest person in your life who was a non-comedian? who was just flat out funny. One guy talked about a guy who was a tailor he worked with. This dude was just funny. Uncle Dudlow. Oh, we got him in, all of them's in the family. Uncle Dudlow. All of us have him. For you. Somebody, friend, family member, whatever, at this cat, never been on stage, but just funny. Just flat out funny. Nigga Bob. No. Nigga Bob was real funny. And that is? Hmm? He was just funny, because he was Nigga Bob. And they just get up and just talk about everybody. Anything. Yeah. Just anything. He could drop a glass yeah. and he could talk about it for 30 minutes. Got to go political. If you had one question sitting in front of President Obama, what would you ask him? I need a co-signer for the new car I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd ask him to be my co-signer. You said the one question. One question. Okay. I would say stop making white people mad. He makes, he pisses white people off. He just does. That's, that's his gift. That's his gift as a black man. He makes white people very angry, and he does it on purpose. You know that by the people he picks to be in office. Yes. He, you know, uh, I've made a prediction. I said he's going to make a midget head of the army. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Now, if I had my way, I'd, I'd, I'd tell him I have to dress him for you. I'd give him a conk and some shoes with bunion pads on them. You know, see, they're used to that. <laughs> Last question for both of you. Is there any other thing that you would have liked to do in your life other than comedy? Anything other than make people laugh? Right. No. Not me. No. Like what? What would you suggest? Not suggesting, just asking. Well, remember, we didn't choose it. We didn't come up and say, I'm going to be a comic. You got people saying, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a dancer. Right. You know, 
Anybody ever walked out to Korea in the first or second funny. grade talking about, I'm going to be a comic? That reminds me of when they asked uh, Miles Davis, they said, if you had 15 minutes to live, what would you do? And he said, choke a white man to death. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a hell of a statement. I mean, no, I'm not, this is true. I'm not making this up. I'm not that good. Okay, yeah. Paul, so if you had 15 minutes to live, what would you do? If I had 15 minutes to live, live? What would you do? I wouldn't choke somebody to death. I wouldn't do that. But, uh... Let me see. How about drowning them? <laughs> okay, teasing, teasing. Your, your show's so serious. Teasing. No, no. Trust me. Trust me. We are not serious ever since. Y'all, I completely, I, I completely forgot. That was the last question. That was um, wow. That was, uh, see, that's what happens when you start going to your archives. Uh, and um, we, you know, we ran in on Washington Watch. Unfortunately, we did not have the greatest video, but uh, it's all good. But I was so glad we even had that the opportunity to sit down with those two legends, Dick Gregory and, of course, uh, Paul Mooney. Joining us right now is uh, Ricky Hughes. Uh, she is executive producer, CEO, Lemonade Productions. And also, um, the greatest short comedy... Short comedian in uh, history, Guy Tori. Uh, he joins us right now. Glad to have both of you here. Ricky, I want to start with you. Uh, you uh, are not a comedian. You're not on stage. And so you work with Paul in a different capacity. Yeah, so I've um, known Paul for many years um, and seen him. You know, I work on the other side as the producer. So it's always been interesting. And he always challenges us nonstop. Like, he would challenge our thought process. He would challenge our comedy. He would challenge everything. And, you know, although it would drive us crazy in the process, it always made it for a better show. How would you respond to someone who's to say, well, Ricky, Paul's difficult. Let, let's get somebody who's not as difficult. Well, okay. I have been known to work with some of the quote-unquote most difficult um, people um, there and see, kind of effortlessly. Um, so for me, I think you always have to find a place where you find something great about them. And it wasn't hard to find something great about Paul. And when you lean into that, Eagle always takes over and then they'll, you'll get the best out of him. And, uh, and he always wanted the best. Like he wasn't difficult just to be difficult. I feel like he was always difficult to challenge you. What about when he would push you to be better? Give me an example where... You said that that was good. Yeah, well, we were doing, I believe it was Who's Got Jokes, um, and actually with Bill. And um, we had a whole setup for him where he was going to kind of surprise the comics and come out. And he was like, why would I do that? And I was like, well, because, you know, no one is expecting you and this will be great. He was like, what's great about that? You know, and so we just kept pushing till we finally got to a place where his appearance felt way more meaningful. But that wasn't our initial intent. You know, so he just would constantly push the envelope and question it. It, it, made, it definitely makes a difference. Um, fearless, um, man of conviction, uh, someone who had no problem speaking truth to power. We've heard every uh, description of Paul Mooney, uh, your memories about him? Well, I just felt like he never felt, um, he never was afraid to make white people uncomfortable in a world where black people were really striving to make things comfortable. 
Guy? Hello? Guy, your ass on mute. Hey, man. Oh, I'm on mute? Oh, man. Hold on. Not... Now, now you're on. Now you're on. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. What's uh, up, That's man? what happened when you got that cricket phone. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I pulled it from your little sister's purse. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, because you got the same purse. No, she left it over here last night. Uh-huh. And guess what? I ain't got no little uh, sisters. All my sisters taller than you. All right. Uh, <laughs> Share, share your thoughts about, uh, again, uh, the great Paul Mooney. Well, first of all, I'm going to pour me some champagne because Paul Mooney always drinks champagne splits on stage. So in honor of Paul Mooney, I got some champagne. Paul Mooney was always funny, man, telling me, don't be afraid to make people feel uncomfortable, but, but make them laugh at the same time. And I've always taken that from Paul Mooney. I remember when I first met Paul, I was with my brother Joe, who was at the comic stores after a Fat Tuesdays, and Paul was telling Joe, hey, look out, look out, Joe, look over your shoulder. Your brother got that Belushi syndrome. Belushi. I'm like, what Belushi? He said, he waiting on you to die, Joe, so he can blow up. <laughs> like Jim and John Belushi. But Paul Mooney, man, had one of my favorite jokes, man, uh, that, that of him that he told was when, unfortunately, it's about two other deaths of two other legends. It's when Tupac and Biggie passed away, man. And Paul Mooney's joke was, well, we know they're both in heaven because they both had faith. <laughs> I don't think Faith Evans liked that joke, but that's one of my favorite jokes of Paul Mooney. It's like, wow, I would have never gone there, but he was fearless. But you just said something that when you said, I would have never gone there. I, I, we, we had a bunch of other folks on earlier, and that's the thing. Paul Mooney did not care about going there. He, right. look, he would he would crack on Oprah, Gail King. Right. He, he, it didn't matter. No, nobody was off limits. Right. And and you know what? After that, I started going there. Before then I was I was a little timid. You know, I didn't want to I didn't want to talk about celebrities and things like that. But after after watching hearing Paul Mooney and Pryor and the things they said, you know, and my homie St. Louis Lewis and Dick Gregory, man, I started this like, you know, taking the filter off. And now there's no filter at all. Ricky, just do. Let's talk about that. Um mm -hmm. A lot of people said that Paul has not gotten his just due as a comedic giant. Mm. He is not. And I, I hope, you know, I hate for it to have to come to a place where, you know, his death is the first time that we get to see this. But, you know, I would argue that some of our greats, he pushed them to be fearless yeah. on that yeah. stage. And one thing, you know, Paul always did was he fought to protect the integrity of the stage that you that place had to be sacred. Comics had to be able to be able to say and have the social commentary that they needed to say without being filtered and censored. And, you know, when you speak about his just do, the power of that stage, I think you have to give it up to him. Guy, same question. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he was one of the greatest. I mean, he wrote for the greatest, you know, and prior, wrote for great shows. And it just, it just shows that he was the godfather of comedy. People don't know that he was originally supposed to have been the host of the Comedy Act Theater. And he turned it down and suggested that it would be Robin Harris. You know? So he wasn't afraid to, to say no to great opportunities because he knew where he was. And he had a home. At, he's one of the few blacks at the comedy store at that time, him and Richard. And Marcia Warfield, uh, at that time, that's all they did was want to wait and see Paul. And Paul go and say, Paul had that last spot, that 12 o'clock spot. He loved that spot. 
so that he can go on stage and say whatever the hell he wanted to say, and people would stick around and wait for Paul Mooney. Now, he said he told he told Obama to quit making white people uncomfortable. That's what all Paul did, was make white people feel uncomfortable. That's all he did. That would be in his show, then pop up like toast with Paul. Not that he wasn't funny, the fact that he, he, he was real, and he was hitting with that truth. And that toothpaste hurts when you brush your teeth with it. Ricky, uh, were there moments where where you said, you said, damn, Paul, that hurt? Uh, all the time. What do you mean? <laughs> like, if, you, if, you were, if you didn't have that response, he was like, I got to keep going because you have to get there. I mean, I remember um, not too long ago, we, um, Dave and I, Dave was performing in the Bay Area and um, Paul had come out to see the show and he um, moved up and, they moved him right there next to me. He's like, if you don't get up right now and move right over. I was felt like I was immediately in trouble. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a grown woman. But Paul would have that effect on you when he would just say anything and it was okay. Uh, he was a guy, he was, um, the, the thing, well, uh, looks like we lost guy. Looks like we lost, we got lost guy. I, to I told you a guy had that cricket phone. Um, the, the, the thing, Ricky, that, that was, uh, you know, Paul could be extremely intimidating. Again, you, you, had, you had to be a confident person because he, he would show you that look and respond to you in a certain way. So you had to, like, like say, dog, who that you talking to? Because I, re I remember, like, when we had the interview, he was, I was like, say, bro, don't, don't get this twisted. Don't, don't think I'm a news <laughs> guy. <laughs> I'm not going to fire back at your ass. <laughs> but he, he loved that. Paul relished in that mental joust. Like, he loved it, it, like, more than anything. I think just to be able to have that, it went beyond a wedding repartee, for sure. And, you know, you just got to love him for it, but you always run your toes when you're around him. That's for sure. And he made you think. Indeed. He definitely he made you think. Indeed he did. Ricky Hughes, I surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much for sharing your thoughts and reflections about Paul Mooney. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Guy Tory, uh, Guy had to go. We thank Guy as well. Uh, there was another time I interviewed Paul Mooney uh, on News One Now, uh, and here is uh, that conversation. Yes, uh, you know him quite well. He's been in movies, television shows. He's written for Richard Pryor, Red Fox, In Living Color, Dave Chappelle, one of the baddest brothers out there. Uh, no need for a long introduction. He is simply the legend, Paul Mooney. Paul, how you doing? Welcome to News One Now. Yeah, how are you? Well, welcome back. Actually, we were, last time we chatted with you, I was in New Orleans with Dick Gregory, and you guys were performing at Essence Music Festival. Uh, so, Paul, i got to ask you, Rolling Out did a story on you uh, saying that you have stage four prostate cancer. They talked to your brother. The story was out on social media. Uh, what's the deal with that story in your health? What do you mean? Uh, well, that's what they reported. Is it true? I, your brother called me last night and said, oh, this is nuts. This is crazy. story is not true. Paul, Paul is not sick at all. No, I'm dead. <laughs> so what? So where did Roll Out even get that from? People who have stage four are dead. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> Either they're dead or they got one foot on a banana. <laughs> uh, so the so the Roll Out story was a piece of crap. Well, of course. 
I can't be in two places at once. I can't be at the graveyard and sitting up here talking to you, too, unless you're dead, too. Maybe we're both dead. <laughs> no, 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 not dead at all. Well, well, well first of all, uh, Paul, how is your health these days? Uh, uh, you see these folks say you're on a City Hall show and didn't go yeah, well. I thought you were great. Aren't you, aren't you doing a movie or something like that where you're supposed to be dead? So why are you acting crazy? <laughs> you're doing a film, but you might be dead, too. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing so hard. No, because again, first of all, we're live. We're certainly not dead at all. So we're yeah, absolutely live. You don't know that. <laughs> Paul, I got to ask you a couple of things. Um, uh, Arsenio Hall, um, you were, you want, you want. See, I scared you. That's why you keep on talking. Go ahead. No, no, no. You don't scare me. I've interviewed you many times, so you've never scared me. No, I'm not. I'm talking about being dead. I ain't talking about scaring you personally. Oh, no, no, I'm fully alive. All right, okay, you're alive. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm fully alive. Yeah, all right. So let me ask you this question. You were on the Senior Hall show, uh, and uh, you uh, you cut right to the chase, as always. Uh, your comment is raw and to the point. Yeah. So? And so, well, I want to ask you, with that in mind, We've had lots of stories out in the news out there. Donald Sterling is one of them. Uh, you've uh, been in L.A. a number of years. You surprised at all about Donald Sterling uh, and his comments? Or no. people are people just shocked that he was taped? No, I've known Donald Sterling longer than I've known you. You weren't even born when I knew him. <laughs> and I'm serious. How old are you, 55? No, 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 I'm 45. Yeah, well, you weren't born. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. So were you so you weren't surprised at all with the words that he spoke on that uh, recording? No. Uh -uh. No, I wasn't shocked at all. He's always talked like that. He thinks he's a comedian. Why do you think he keeps uh, going after Magic Johnson? That interview with Anderson Cooper was uh, pretty strange. Well, that's because he gives Magic Johnson money. Donald Sterling gives money to lots of black people. So, NAACP got into some issue there. The president, he quit because Donald Sterling supported the NAACP president. Uh, and th that, of course, got them a lot, of issue, a lot of trouble there in Los Angeles. Should they have given Donald Sterling a Lifetime Achievement Award? For sure. Oh, for sure they should have given it to him. As much money as he's given black people? <laughs> so you say, so it doesn't matter uh, what he says, hey, as long as he's cut the check, it's all good? I'm up for sale for a billion dollars. He can buy me. <laughs> so you have a, you got a tour right now. Uh, will Donald Sterling, will other issues of race, the treatment of the president, Attorney General Eric Holder, will those issues be a part of your tour? Well, of course. I've known Donald Sterling for a very long time. He gives a lot of money to black people. Lots of money. So, so Paul, where's your tour taking you across the country? And he loves black women. He loves black women. <laughs> There's always a black woman in the background. When you, whenever Donald comes around, you'll see a black woman somewhere. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. You're traveling around the country. Where's your tour taking you? How many cities are you hitting? Oh, we're going everywhere. How many cities are there in America? So you're hitting all of them? Oh, all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so are you, are, you, are you just performing, or is it you and Dick Gregory performing again? Oh, yeah, it's me and Dick Gregory some places and then it's me and somebody else some other places and then the, the locals you know they have locals right right 
So, Paul, let me ask you. I had some comedians on the show last week, uh, and they were they were talking about uh, talking about you. Several of them praise you for your work. But one of the things they all said is, they said, "Man, Paul Mooney is so raw that he even makes me uncomfortable." I've never heard other comedians get uncomfortable. Well, they just say that because somebody white's telling them to say that. <laughs> They're being paid to say that. I don't make black comedians uncomfortable. You don't? No. They just say that to get attention. Heck no. Why could I make them uncomfortable? <laughs> if, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't be on TV. So why would I make them uncomfortable? Well, that is a, that's an absolute great point. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's just to bring attention to themselves. Well, Paul, uh, first off, it is good to see you uh, looking well. Good to see you uh, on the show. Uh, glad that you have uh, blown off those reports uh, of bad health and rolling out, put out there. Uh, good luck with your comedy tour all across the country uh, and hope to see you in one of these cities uh, that you're going to be popping in. What, are, what city are you in? Uh, Washington, D.C. Of course. Well, yeah, you have to come and see the show. I'll, I'll be coming to your city. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you. And I, and I can't wait to see you to make sure that you're alive. <laughs> I will be alive. Absolutely. When does your movie start? Uh, I have no movie. Somebody just said you were, they were making a joke? No, I'm not. I have no movie. Kevin Hart's in every movie involving a black person. Oh, okay. Well... That's not true because that's why I love Obama. Obama is living proof that all black people don't look alike. I love it. I fully understand. Paul Mooney, it's always good to see you, sir. You take care and you have a great one. You, you too. All right. Okay. How did I end up talking to Paul Mooney twice about death? I, that, okay, that's, uh, again, I told y'all, uh, we go into the vault. I, I totally forget some of the stuff we talk about. Uh, and y'all saw the irreverent. He's like, he has a question. He's like, so? Uh, that was Paul Mooney. All right, y'all. Uh, got a couple more guests right now joining us to talk about uh, the late, great Paul Mooney. Uh, we have co comedy writer uh, and uh, budding comedian Buddy Lewis. Uh, <laughs> comedian Jay Smiles, how you doing? I am fantastic. How are you, Roland? Uh, I am doing great. I just want to get uh, just, uh, just your thoughts uh, on, again, uh, the amazing Paul Mooney. My thoughts are uh, numerous. I have to tell you, he is absolutely um, a legend that defies all logic. And I've been watching and hearing what some of your other guests have said. And he has never gotten his justice. He's, he didn't get his roses before. I certainly hope he gets them now. Yeah, he wrote for the best and the brightest. The fact that the people who have been celebrated white, black, and everything in between turned to him when they were at their zenith, right? They wanted him to write for them when they were at the top of the charts on TV, on radio, in movies. They wanted him at their side. And the fact that he always pushed the envelope and did not care what happened, that's tough. That's a tough, tough place to be. But that's just how how much he loved the craft. And he really, I mean, by the footage that you've shown, and thank you so much for always having a camera. I've known your story, <laughs> I know that since, since you were in high school, dude, some kind of way you had a camera or a recorder somewhere since Texas to make sure that you were documenting things. And we are all so grateful for it. But in my comedy, I'm known as the conscious comic. And one of the most uh, celebrated moments in my career 
uh, as young as it is in comparison to the grace that you've even had on your show, it was a guy that was older than me, and I was doing a special for Juneteenth just a few years ago. And when it was over, he came up to me and he said, you remind me of what Paul Mooney and Dick Gregory used to do. Roland, I started crying. Real talk. I am not exaggerating. I couldn't believe that he even kind of mentioned my name with those two. I got goosebumps. And so the fact that he had the heart to do what he did, when he did it, we're talking about the 50s, 60s, 70s. Are you kidding me? And he was never killed um, by racist bigots. Let's talk about that. I mean, we don't have to get that deep and that heavy, but his, his, his language was so tough and so strong that they ain't fooled with him. They let him say it, right? So anyway, um, forever, forever, he uh, will, will rest with me and rest in the pen and in my mind and in the jokes that I write. Buddy Lewis, there are folks who obviously talk about uh, um, uh, Paul Mooney being on stage, but I mean, he was as a as a comedy writer. Uh, that's really where he also shined. Uh, you wouldn't know anything about writing. Uh, you wouldn't know a thing about that Applehead man. Let me explain. Uh, 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 considering uh, <laughs> I've only written uh, three books. Uh, and all you know about pictorial oh, books. Oh, oh, excuse me. Right. Nobody cares about your little uh, terrible ass books. Uh, I've seen uh, better writing uh, in a Braille Institute. <laughs> and uh, anything authored by Buddy Lewis was written in crayons. What's up, man? Uh, uh, man, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, this... Uh, this this hurts, man. I mean, I I I knew both um, Weatherspoon and and uh, Paul Mooney were were uh, uh, I, I considered them friends in the business, and uh, and and Paul uh, was um, the one thing that I think everybody loved about Paul is his ability from the beginning to speak truth to power. And he had a he had a, a a reverence and a and a um, and a duty. He was du he felt like he was duty bound to 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 tell the truth, and and he didn't care whether he hurt feelings or or poked fun at people's uh, uh, political uh, leanings. Their 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 mama, their daddy, whatever whatever Paul said, he meant and he said it, and he and he stood by it. And so that, as a comic, there's something freeing and, and something uh, uh, real uh, that comes from being able to say whatever it is you want to say and, and live with the consequences. And that's what he did. And that, and that made him a, 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 a figure that we all revere. Because a lot of comics edit themselves, and especially now, uh, Paul was uneditable. <laughs> I mean, he, he he would say it and mean it, and 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 that was it. And uh, I mean, he sometimes hurt feelings and and did some uh, some things that were you know like, hey man, <laughs> only Paul. Uh, there's a there's a story uh, of him being asked to do an event for Mayor Tom Bradley. I think when he was running for governor, and they brought <laughs> Paul to I guess do a stand up act. And he did his act, and and like, 
the the first word out of his mouth was the N-word, and there all these, oh, you know, all these, and, I'm, and Paul was like, what? Y'all, y'all ain't seen my act? <laughs> that's that's what he did, man. And, uh, I mean, everybody has great Paul Mooney stories. Like, um, I, I, my favorite, and we laughed about this to the, to the past, uh, and when I saw him um, probably a year ago, uh, we talked about this time I was in the store, and I had my back to the uh, to to uh, uh, I was in an aisle in the store and I'm rummaging through stuff and and I see this white woman walk by all I see is the white woman walk by and somebody from some voice from the back goes move nigga and I I I, I looked around and I was about to go I was like I know this white lady just didn't call me nigga nigga in the store right and Paul goes uh got you huh you was about to punch that white lady weren't you <laughs> <laughs> we were in an AMPM and it was so freaking funny. I and every time I saw him, I said, "Man, you got me so bad." He's like, "Oh, oh, homie, you were you were about to sock that poor white lady. That white lady didn't know what was coming." <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, man, always uh, was. Um, I mean, he was a uh, he was like the the if there was the title that could be given, he was the Godfather of comedy. Man, everybody. Everybody, uh, everybody wants to be Paul, in a in a way, and and what I mean by that is everybody wants to be free, to feel like they can speak without ramification, and and say what they want to say and and do what they want to do. And in this cancer cancer, I mean a uh, cancel culture that we have right now, um, Paul was a uh, <laughs> he was he was. <laughs> he was a man among men when it came to that. He didn't care. And and so I think that's what that's what made us all as comics love him. Chase Miles, uh, the thing about what, what uh, Buddy was describing there when he said everybody wanted to be him, but the, and, but the reality is that folks were afraid uh, of the repercussions. He wasn't. And when you look at the movie Bamboozled, I think that, that great scene with Damon Wayans uh, where he's performing... You know, in you know this small club, and you know he's got his alcohol, and he and he, he tells him, I didn't sell out, and I refuse to do so. He he's his pride was more important than pulling punches in order to get greater acclaim. Yes, all the time, and he kept that his entire career, and it wasn't mm -hmm. he didn't have a short career. He, you know, some people have been in the game for 50 years and their stardom came in the last five years or some people got in the game late. Paul had critical acclaim very early in life. And through every decade, through the golden years of comedy, he said, nope, I'm staying true to that inner voice. And there are not a lot of people who do that in any walk of life. In walk of life, preachers, teachers, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, you name it. The one time I met him, I was very new to comedy. He was at a club, and I was fortunate enough to get to the green room, and he basically said, I cannot do justice to uh, Buddy's interpretation of his voice. I'm awful at imp impersonations. But he basically said, young lady, why? Why? You look like you got a good head on your shoulders and you're kind of cute. Why the hell you want to do this? And I said, once it bit me, Mr. Mooney, I can't let it go. And he just shook his head and he said, I understand. And the thing is, 
the purity that he used with it, it's the same that I see and I felt in the learnings of, say, Gandhi or Dr. King or Muhammad Ali. Right. It is a passion and a purpose that goes well beyond the money and the, and the plaques and the awards. And I was so... Uh, I feel so fortunate to have met him once, and I, I just pray that his his closest family and friends are somewhere receiving peace from his spirit now. Is Rodney Perry still there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We cut, uh, so let's get... Uh, we're going to pull Rodney on a second. Uh, buddy, uh, final comment. I just want to say, man, uh, uh, you know, my condolences uh, to his, his family and the many friends and people that really knew him, man. I, I, I wasn't, um, you know, there's some people that are, are, are associated with people more than they are friendly out here in Hollywood. And, and I can say with, with all due respect, uh, he was an, uh, he was a, he was a friend of, of, I felt like a friend of mine and uh, he treated me with, with love and respect and um, whenever he was around and he would come and uh, visit my room and Kim and I had a comedy room out in the valley, he would come in with Eddie Murphy and Miguel Nunez and a crew of people and he would get on stage and perform and, and uh, he didn't care where it was. That was another thing I loved about Paul. He didn't care where it was. He would, he would get up and perform from the smallest little dank little places like Mama's Memory Lane to to the Apollo West out here, he, he didn't care. And he would go in there and he would rip a stage and, and leave. And, and, and that he was a true veteran and a, and a, and an icon, especially for, um, uh, a lot of us who started out in the game. Uh, we saw Paul at the comedy store. He's one of the few black folks that, that, that worked at the comedy store on a regular basis. He had his own night. And so we 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 revered Paul Mooney like we did Robin Harris and some other guys in the business. Paul was uh, he was the man, and and uh, he will be greatly missed. His talent and his um, and his energy and his uh, gift uh, will be missed. Buddy will Lewis, missed. Jay Smiles, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thanks. Thank uh, you. And, Thank you, Roland. Uh, Thank you so much. Just say this, Roland. Um, uh, choke yourself with an ascot. <laughs> Hampton University is the real HU. Shut up! Ooh, Boom! Come See? On, come on! See? Come on, buddy! buddy. See? Did no, no, no. Bring it back up. See? See, buddy? I didn't want to go there. Buddy. You, you, buddy, you, call you. me. Buddy, call me. We got to finish our I, show. I, okay, I, all right. I, I, you know what? I ain't, I ain't talking to this fool. He know better. We got to finish our better. show. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. Y'all, huh? See, that, that's, that's called a stab in the heart. Yeah, that's, that, that is. That, that, that hurt, that hurt, that hurt. You wish you could have done it. Right, and see, and see, and I, I, and I ain't even gonna talk about it, that little youth group he's a member of. <laughs> come on, come on. I mean, matter of fact, matter of fact, buddy, since you talking, do I need to play a certain video? Come on. Oh, God. You know what, Roland? You know what, Roland? Pull up your little... I keep trying to tell you when you... That every video, even even police recordings, you, you never see what happens five minutes before. Sometimes, oh! Five minutes before, sometimes there's a little stuff that you go, ah, what happened? What what brought this on? And so that's all I'm going to say. You know, you're, you've got a little half-ass, half-baked 
a recording that don't tell the whole story. I, I, so I, 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 you know what? Uh, sound like somebody's protesting a whole lot. <laughs> I, I'm not protesting. Sound like somebody. I mean, when you start sitting here, or oh, well, something happened before, something happened before that you didn't see. And see, Jay Smiles, here's the problem with what Buddy is saying. Here's the problem with what he's saying. Uh, there's an intro. Okay. There's like a literal intro to but So it's kind of hard to say what happened before when there's an intro. I'm sorry. Control room. Uh-oh. Mm. <sighs> Oh, oh, these stories are so long-winded and terrible and old. So we, oh, where's Rodney Perry? Oh yeah, aren't there other comments that need to talk? Right. So <laughs> not, you know, I, I ain't even gonna play the audio. I just want everybody while Buddy's talking, he's gonna provide some commentary. Jay Smiles. So he gonna see what happens when an Alpha shows him how to step. See, he can't oh. hop. See, see, but Buddy did. I did a 360. Buddy did. Buddy did more like a, a 180 or 270. He couldn't buddy, get all true? the way around. Buddy, is it true? Buddy, buddy, tell me, buddy. Come on. No, yeah, buddy. I'm going to tell you the truth. But see, Come like I said, all I'm going to say is, all I'm going to say is. Wait, buddy, is that, is that that on. day? I, the, buddy, is that the day that you just had your ankle hurt? I remember that was a, no, that was a week when your no ankle excuses. was hurt. Oh, I'm okay. not making no excuses. All I'm going to say is this. You know what happens when Atomic Dog comes on. Bros jump out and they start stepping. I do. Well, what happens Absolutely. Is, I'm stepping for five minutes, five, seven minutes. Roland goes in, let me show you how to do it. Let's start over. Chris Spencer see, pulls here, out the phone again and goes, let's start over. See, here's why he li here's why he lying. I'm half here's why, now. here's why he lying. Cause the so video, you already seven minutes in. The video yeah, starts I'm at the, 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 the video the, starts I'm at the intro of the song. The what, Buddy, this? stop but lying. Did you start over Roland? No, yeah, he didn't start over. over. He yeah, lied. Yeah, we, but, buddy, the bros will start the song over. The bros will play Atomic Dog but, 17. But here's the deal <laughs> what that shows you is he ain't got enough breath in his body. He could not sustain <laughs> the second I ain't song. I not lie. Stepping is a young man's game. Uh, well, I, 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 hold up. I'm, 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 I'm 52 I, and I can still step. I can hey, still hop. I'm 58. I got six years on you and plus. Your pledge period wasn't half hey. as long or hard uh, as mine. Oh, oh, so oh, now you try. Oh, 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 so, oh, so, so, so now you trying to admit? Uh oh. No, but hold up. We also know y'all didn't spend that long in the study hall and library either. So, but it's, but, it, but, but we I know that. We know that. that. You know that. You, you know what? None of my academic achievement with your line. So, <laughs> uh, we know that. Whatever. I mean, you like, you ain't Come never. Now. Come on now. Come on now. The Alpha Chapter Bros do believe in scholarship. I was there with some Thank of them. Thank you. Uh, right. We I also believe in giving scholarships uh, to needy children like Buddy Lewis's uh, uh, offsprings. Uh, buddy, <laughs> always remember, you see that? Hey. That's that 30th anniversary ring I got for myself. Kiss the ring. I got to go, y'all. I got to go. It's been real. I'm done dealing with 58-year-old children. Uh, yes, Jay Smiles, I appreciate it. Whatever. Absolutely. Thank you. Buddy Lewis, Thanks. thanks for joining us. We appreciate Bye, you in that, that, cricket, that cricket cell phone playing you got. Uh, thank you so thank very you. much. Anytime, Roland. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. Uh-huh. Right. Anytime. Right. That's what your girlfriend <laughs> said, too. But... <laughs> I'm rolling. I'm uh, this. This. This will not end until I get my until I get my revenge. That's why you've been hiding and ain't came to L.A. You don't want me to get. You don't want to be in another step off, son. You no, no, I haven't come to L.A. because a thing called COVID. This. You don't want this. 
Hey, dog. Hey, dog. Well, of course, I'm ready to whoop your ass twice. I'm ready to whoop your ass twice. I, I'm not coming to Texas. Remember, who's your daddy? Alpha. I got to go. Jay Smiles, I'm going to holler at you later. Next time. Uh, buddy, Hell say bye daddy. to your daddy. <laughs> Alpha love, is your daddy. To, <laughs> <laughs> Get off the phone. I got to talk to Rodney Perry. Oh, Moody, guys. Y'all, here were some of the tweets that people sent out today celebrating the life and legacy of Paul Mooney. I want to read some of those right now and show those to you while you're getting Rodney Perry on. Uh, so pull those up, please. Uh, this came from, actually, uh, the official account of Paul Mooney. People will always show you who they are. When you have quiet time, it comes to you how to prepare your shield. Always be, your, be you and put your best foot forward uh, is your shield. And so that's what was sent out today. Uh, that was Paul Mooney's last tweet. Sherry Shepard sent this. So sad to hear that comedy legend Paul Mooney passed. Paul used to give me so much encouragement when I became a regular at the comedy store. I watch him night after night on stage. I will always treasure his advice. He was a comedy innovator and a trailblazer. R.I.P. Paul. Uh, this is the daughter of Paul Mooney. Give me a moment. My best friend just died and my world is forever shook. I really can't put it into words right now. My feelings know that I love this man and I am broken. She sent that about an hour and a half after uh, I had posted the news of his death. And so... Um, uh, it was still very raw for uh, for his family. Stephanie Mills, I'm sad to hear about the passing of one of my favorite comedians who always said what he wanted and was so proud to be black and never sold out to achieve greatness. R.I.P. to the legendary Paul Mooney. His comedy, intellect, and humor was so profound. Viola Davis, oh, R.I.P. comedy legend Paul Mooney. You were both funny and poignant. So happy to have witnessed your genius live. Rest well. Pour down some laughter here. We need it, love. Alonzo Bolton, R.I.P. Paul Mooney. Thank you, for, sir, for all the laughs. It was an honor to know you. R.I.P. Paul Mooney. Reverend Al Sharpton, I am saddened to hear about the passing of a comedian, Paul Mooney, an extraordinary, humorous, and passionate community activist. We spent many hours in fierce and fiery discussions that I always remember. May he rest in peace and power. Ava DuVernay, Paul Mooney, a comedy giant. I recall listening to his race album in college and how formative it was. Yeah, the jokes, but more so the freedom. He spoke freely and fearlessly about feelings and experiences others found difficult to express. May he truly be free now. Rest, sir. Uh, Debbie Allen uh, tweeted this. Paul Mooney, the comedic genius that fueled Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, made his transition to a holy place this morning. We will miss you, homie. We will forever speak your name. Uh, and then Dion Cole. So I knew Paul was an iconic writer for Richard Pryor. And when I became a writer for Conan, I told him I was, and he said to me, good for you. They got a can of moose hair gel with your name on it too. Don't use it. And I understood instantly what was up. R.I.P. Paul Mooney. Um, folks, uh, George Wallace, of course, uh, we had him on the show. Uh, so satin. Uh, by uh, the loss of a real comedy king, Paul Mooney, total respect for my elder. Witherspoon last year, now this. They say it comes in threes. I ain't sleeping for the next two years. Of course, we heard uh, him actually say that. Uh, and Ice-T, another great loss, Paul Ely Mooney. Too black, too strong, R.I.P. Jeffrey Wright, Paul Mooney. Whoa, my dude. Inspector Kane, man, R.I.P. And Matthew Cherry, the director. Rest in peace, legend Paul Mooney. Folks, uh, there have been so many people we have been communicating with, lots of, uh, lots of comedians uh, we've been talking to, uh, talking to his family uh, as well. Uh, we've been uh, sharing these stories, and uh, there's so many people who want to reach out. Like I said, we've been talking to 
uh, Dave Chappelle, Rodney Perry, I mean, my goodness, Chris Tucker, Jamie Foxx, so many others, uh, and Rudy Ely, who was uh, Paul's cousin. Uh, he, um, he sent me this video, uh, and, I, and they were in the car listening to music, uh, and this was uh, Paul Booney sitting here, go ahead and show, getting down uh, in the car, so uh, doing his thing. Uh, so that video, folks, uh, was shot uh, not too long ago. Uh, Rudy said that uh, there were good days in Paul, good days and bad days for Paul because he was suffering dementia. Uh, there are some days he will remember and some days he didn't. Uh, but we are certainly blessed by his comedy. I appreciate uh, Paul always uh, reaching out to me, texting me. The last time he texted me was wishing me happy Thanksgiving. He would send me texts in the middle of the night with some of the funniest stories, different videos and stuff. Uh, he was that kind of guy. Folks, let me say this. Let me also say this here. When he, when he was there in, uh, in New Orleans with, Richard, with, uh, with uh, Dick Gregory, so when, when, the, um, when they were in between shows, and so there were people who were coming out, and they were, they were sitting here in between, coming out, and they, were, they wanted to take pictures, and, and he was like, nope, 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 nope. We ain't taking, nope, nope, no selfies. You ain't buying the CD. And so at one point, Paul was sitting, he took the CD and he had it up to his face. And people were taking pictures. He was blocking their pictures. And so Dick Gregory was sitting to his right. Uh, and Dick Gregory, Dick Gregory didn't care. Dick Gregory was sitting here signing autographs. And uh, he was over there uh, sitting here just taking pictures. And so uh, uh, Paul sits here and grabs, a C, grabs Dick's CD. And he's holding the CD in front of Dick's face. And he's holding it in front of his face. And he's like, nope, nope, buy a CD. Nope, nope, we ain't taking no free ass pictures. Y'all, I was just sitting there cracking up laughing. Paul Mooney uh, did not care. Uh, and, um, and you heard us in the video, and he said they were coming to D.C. Uh, I wish I'd seen the show. And I'll end this way. Folks, um, take the time. We don't know uh, when, folks, uh, how long they are here. We don't know when they pass. If there's someone you haven't talked to, you have a call, give them a call. Tell them, tell them thank you. Give them a shout. Uh, it's always important because, again, uh, you know, no day is promised, no hour, no second is promised. And so when we, we're able to uh, celebrate life and be able to enjoy ourselves and spend time with loved ones uh, and our favorites, whether they're actors and musicians, if you get a chance, go see them perform. Send them a tweet, send them an email, reach out to them, tell them thanks a bunch, uh, and uh, please do so. Uh, we do these, folks, because uh, it's important that we celebrate our own. We celebrated. You heard me reference in that video when I had some comedian, comedians on talking about Paul Mooney. So we did celebrate him in life, not just uh, when he now moves on to join the ancestors. Uh, Paul Mooney, the great comedic OG, the serious truth teller, now up in heaven, having a hell of a conversation with Dick Gregory and others. Dead at the age of 79. Paul, we absolutely missed you. You were fantastic. You left us a whole lot to think about and to remember. I'll see you tomorrow.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.